I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, it's Mind Rolling. I'm back. I'm with Locke Kelly. As if you all you all should know Locke because he's done a wonderful podcast on Be Here Now Network recently, right? Locke. Yes. Welcome. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Locke. Great <laughs> to have you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Raghu. Great but, to be here. Uh, it, it is a reminder for everybody. Uh, after you listen to our conversation, there's more Locke <laughs> available all the time on Be Here Now Network. <laughs> okay. 24-7. 24-7, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I did take the opportunity to read Shift into Freedom. Oh. Read, uh, not completely, I'll be mm -hmm. honest, because yeah. of my time crunch, but enough to really get a good idea of things that interest me and I think everybody who's listening. So, okay. yeah. But before any of that... Um, I mean, I think this stuff is in the book, but just uh, I, yeah. everybody that I first meet, now we've met before, but for the yeah. podcast, I always say, well, what are the things that just uh, created that bonfire <laughs> underneath uh, the tush to really go, okay, this is not real. There is something else <laughs> that's way more real, and I'm going to go get it. Yeah, what happened yeah. to you? I mean, if now that I look back, it's fascinating, and many people who are listening may also <clears throat> kind of be able to have this hindsight. I can find little moments in my childhood where things shifted or opened, uh, where I felt uh, interconnected with nature, with other people, 
where I kind of saw through a veil of something. Um, and, uh, you know, then, then as I went along, bigger shifts happened. Uh, so I'll jump to one that's kind of, uh, a dramatic one that happened when I was 19 years old. And, uh, I had just had three losses in my life. Hmm. My father had, uh, had brain cancer and, uh, gone through a year long operation where he got better and was about to return to work and then had a aneurysm and, uh, ended up, uh, passing away. Um, my grandmother who had lived with us, who was 99, uh, passed away three months later. And then my best friend from the ice hockey team, uh, was visiting his girlfriend on an icy road in late one winter and, uh, died in a car accident. Mm. And so it, you know, it was very intense being that age. My friends would say, well, just come out and have a beer, you know, but many of them had not been through, uh, this kind of loss uh, and intensity, at least so quickly uh, and at so much. So it was building up. I went to counseling. It didn't seem to help much. I came out of the library one night uh, on a kind of a late winter, early spring day. And I just felt the weight of the world, the weight of grief, the weight of uh, <clears throat> everything on me in such a way that it felt like I said to myself, uh, I don't know if I can take this much longer. And at that moment, it, as I look back, I turned my awareness as if I was looking for a voice that was saying it. So it kind of unhooked from my body and mind and felt back or looked back through the, whatever voice was talking or whatever sense of self there was, and it literally, literally popped it open so that my awareness continued out into the night sky and into this vast, loving, interconnected feeling of relief and feeling of interconnection and feeling of uh, support. And I just started crying and laughing and uh, was just <clears throat> immediately uh, astounded at how something so so heavy and full of uh, all emotions that I'd ever felt um, could be relieved in a moment. And it actually allowed me then to grieve more <laughs> thoroughly, but with this background support, with this kind of all ground support of something that I didn't know was, I knew wasn't a thing. <laughs> I didn't know what it was or whether it was Bigger than me, it certainly was bigger than me, but it felt like it was within me. And I didn't go to a, a religious interpretation immediately, but I knew because I didn't get any images with it. I didn't get any, you know, mm. any specifics. Yeah. I just got beingness, you know. That's a bonfire of grace. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, my yeah. God. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So, and, and in fact, that... Uh, short description of that awareness that you just gave it has a lot to do with uh, certainly the core of what this book is about that's and right certainly in terms of my own interest and everybody that listens uh it it is about how do we bring that into our day-to-day -day 
and yeah. from what perspective are we yeah. having that aware that that being the you know the big elephant in the room so to speak yes. right <laughs> so yes yeah, so why don't you give your um description of of really the most basic yeah way that we can engender and cultivating cultivate that uh platform from which we are no longer ramdas uses moving from i mean you actually have this in the book too and you couldn't have known about that loving awareness yeah uh, i call it open-hearted awareness yeah but you called it loving awareness also. oh i call it loving awareness too because yeah. i went back and forth yeah Just, that's ramdas's big thing is uh -huh. to, okay. that's which you're that spacious awareness yeah. that has no judgment blah 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 and how to yeah. move from you know your thinking mind into that so yeah yes. so it's it's all one here but please <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let us know what uh, yeah. how you characterize yeah, so, it so thank yeah thanks for the question yeah because that's my way of approaching it too what's the simplest way what's the most universal way what's the most contemporary accessible uh way to describe this so people can use wherever they're coming from uh, whatever type of learner whether a kinesthetic learner a visual learner auditory learner or they have certain philosophical cultural or religious beliefs uh, I kind of approach it as what I call the human being lineage. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I look for, for all the wisdom traditions, uh, look at the principles of what they've, um, <clears throat> they've found, notice how they describe it within their cultural language, within their uh, religious or spiritual meditative tradition, using their own... Uh, type of uh, language and model of the mind and model of uh, <clears throat> the universe and then kind of tried to feel into it and studied with many fortunately many great teachers and would inquire and then uh, I could say a little another little story is then when I came back uh, I went to ended up going to graduate school and then on a fellowship to India Sri Lanka <clears throat> Nepal studied with some Dzogchen teachers and Vaita Vedanta teachers, uh, came back. Wait, you're, you're, you're glossing over there. I have to stop you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tulku Urgian Rinpoche. Yes, that's right. You can't gloss over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please say, yeah. you know. For, for those who, yeah, for those who don't know, for those who know, uh, I was very fortunate to meet Tulku Urgian Rinpoche, who is, you know, was one of the great gems of our world who, opened his doors and his heart to um, many uh, of us who were just would go and visit. And he would uh, give us pointing out instructions, which when I went, um, I had been in Sri Lanka doing 10 day retreats, 21 day retreats. And within three to five minutes of him giving this simple instruction, I felt like the end of a 10 day retreat. Yeah. And and but the thing that was added was the loving awareness. <laughs> so at the end of uh, the mindfulness retreat, I felt the calm and the clarity and the freedom. But now I had the calm, clarity, freedom and love and interconnection. Yeah. But within uh, minutes. And <laughs> so it was clear that 
it was being uncovered. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't being transmitted from him to me like a energy. It was it was something that had been covering had just relaxed or opened and there was this open-hearted awareness uh, that you know was was profound. Yeah, you you just described why I don't do twenty-one day meditation <laughs> retreats these days. <laughs> yeah, because I, I do go and uh, and be around that sp- spaciousness, which fortunately yeah. Mahara Neem Karoli Baba provided for us all these years. Yeah, and uh, Siddhima and. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, two minutes, nothing said, just uh, absolutely, uh, I'd be where the 21 day course would have ended in that right. completely loving awareness space. But yeah, yeah, so. So once introduced, um, <clears throat> uh, I started playing with awareness, or, and in some ways, I would sit at a I became a psychotherapist and worked in an outpatient clinic in Brooklyn. And when, when clients wouldn't come, they would be psychiatric clients living in halfway houses, community mental health center. I would just start looking out the window and letting awareness start playing with itself. And, and the first, the amazing thing was the, the kind of instructions I got from Tulko Ergen were very similar to that experience of turning awareness around or relaxing or resting as the awareness uh, that's already here. So somehow not striving, not trying, but not going to sleep. <laughs> so, so finding a way that not my will and not my attention and not my effort, but actually my awareness could find itself as the field of awareness that was embodied and interconnected. And it's almost like I describe it sometimes as, you know, the feeling of riding a bicycle. You know, you just start to feel this, this balance of awareness rather than going to thought and emotion and physical sensation, the awareness becomes primary, but then you don't remain as a transcendent witness. That's a very key thing, that the awareness is then loving awareness, not just witnessing awareness, and it feels very embodied and interconnected um, so that the feeling of the relief of a separate sense of self uh, is really this kind of unity or interconnected field that feels like a relief. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think, and you're, again, perfectly mirroring the, what we've been doing with Ramdas for years now and what yes. his uh, yes. <laughs> main thing has been. Uh, but I think one good thing, and it is his suggestion, is is to center yourself uh, within the middle of your chest uh-huh. and in yes. that heart space. Yes. Be able to... Uh, that's an immediate thing because of all the associate. Yes. We have tremendous association with our hearts, even though yes. it might be misguided a lot of the time <laughs> by right. emotion and everything. But still, that's a place where it's a natural let go of that yes. mind thing. And like you say, witnessing from the mind is not, uh, it's just another layer of the same kind of a thing. So, yes. Yeah. So I have the same. So I basically started reverse engineering kind of some of the classical practices. And one of them is um, very similar, it's called dropping from head to heart. And 
literally is feeling like your awareness, and people could even try this now, as if your awareness is tends to be identified or attached to thinking, creating a thinker, and awareness can simply relax back and then drop and know your jaw directly from within your jaw, and then feel like awareness can drop and know your throat from within your throat, mm. and then you feel awareness drop below your neck, till it finds this safe heart space. And so now you're aware of the heart space from the heart space. And then for some people it opens out or it goes really far within to the subtlest dimension. And then you're, it's as if you're aware and looking out of the eyes of your heart. And so that kind of simple uh, invitation it seems to be easy to learn and yet it's kind of a a way to uh, to find this heart space and the heart space um, seems is like a microcosm of the universe <laughs> it's like the boundless heart it's within but the within is everywhere yeah. and uh, the interesting thing that when I have been teaching people is to see that it's not the emotional heart, which tends to be like in your throat or in the upper area. It's not your physical heart. It's not even what's on the right side of your chest, what Ramana called the cave of the heart. And it's not your heart chakra. It actually seems to be like a door, like a space that touches all of those hearts and then kind of opens up behind you and kind of looks out forward uh so it's like a portal uh, the heart mind or heart space or eyes of the heart yeah heart and mind that is good yeah heart mind. Yeah, yeah heart mind is great i love that yeah. term uh well you also <laughs> just described why um people like me who are completely um ignorant and lazy and so on and so forth actually had to see the without the the within you and see the without you in yes. in, in somebody yes. in order to get it you see this is sure. how uh yeah we just had yeah. uh, bob thurman you know bob thurman oh yeah i love yeah, bob thurman. yeah we love i just bob. laugh i just laugh yeah hysterically. right yeah no it, we spent days doing that with him uh and at one point he said he was talking about even enlightened beings, you know, they, they get worried. Okay. Yeah. They're worried. And he looks and Krishnas was sitting on, on the right of him and a bunch of us, of course, are in the audience and he, and Ramdas is sitting there and he said, he's, he's probably really worried about you becoming idiots. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, but we need to. What we do need to talk about uh, is, yeah. uh, I think you put it as mistake, mistaken identity. You see, everybody yeah. was. We are all walking around with mistaken identity. That's and, right. And uh, it's. Uh, I, I've told this on almost every podcast I've done because I think it was the funniest thing I've heard in so long. I did a yeah. podcast with uh, Adya Shanti, beautiful, yeah, yes. beautiful man, and yeah. uh, and he said. Yeah, no, from an early age, I looked at my parents and, and their friends that would come over, and, and finally I realized, these people are insane, period. 
That's right. what he said. They're insane. They've all <laughs> gone crazy. So I'm going to learn. I'm going to go inside and find out what's real. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this <laughs> this mistaken the way in which we believe our stories and the way in which we indulge our uh, the big me. You call yeah. mini me. Yeah, mini, mini me. How yeah. do we get mini me going? Yeah. yeah. What do we I mean, do? Li little mini me. I mean, I look at it in different ways from uh, just kind of a construct of consciousness that's almost like we have a one-way mirror that we can only look out, but we we can't see back through it to see who's behind the mirror. So it's like a it's like a uh, a hall of mirrors, and we only have windows going out, and so. You know, a lot of the uh, Tibetan uh, invitations are to turn your awareness around and look back to see who's looking, which is kind of the Ramana Maharshi inquiry, whether you do it uh, with words or you do it with awareness or you do it by just relaxing with somebody who's already relaxed uh, in it, uh, you kind of resonate to it. Um, so that's that the easiest, by the way, everybody. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's more perceptual. Um, like there's perception types, there's kind of behavior types, and there's kind of uh, structure types who do more, at, you know, like uh, service, you know, is more yeah. behavioral. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so this um, feeling of the mini-me, um, I mean, one way I've kind of tracked it is by looking at the intersection of psychology and spirituality is seeing that at age uh, one and a half to three, a child develops what's called interestingly in psychology, self-awareness, which is the ability to be aware that you have a name, you see yourself in a mirror and you start to name yourself as Locke. And then more importantly, you start to say, oh, I shouldn't, you internalize a second self that comments on your first sense of, yeah. Oh, I want to go grab the stove. There's hot cookies in there. Oh no, you know you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't touch the stove. Remember? And so, so who's the, who's the you and who's the, the one that wants to touch the stove? And so this this important uh, human development called self awareness creates a little commentator, judge, mini me that we're looking out from, and it keeps constructing almost like it has a body. So this is kind of the thing I started to realize. I thought, oh, it's, first you're just aware of your body, then it thinks it's an entity in you that's actually looking at your body. Oh, look at your hands. What are your hands? You should like wash your hands, you know? <laughs> it's like, mini me on steroids. That's what that well, is. Mini me on steroids. But it, the smarter, the thing is, the smarter we get, the stronger it gets. So we try to think our way out of it. So we, it makes it worse. <laughs> so that's yeah it reinforces is, it all yeah <laughs> reinforces it all so that that mini me thinks it has a body and it is craving to get things to satisfy it and it's fearful that it's going to get hurt but the thing is it can't get hurt because it's only made of thought and there's nothing for it to eat because it's only made of thought so the word dukkha in uh for suffering means the perpetual dissatisfaction so the mini-me has this perpetual dissatisfaction. And if you relax out of it for a moment and then realize it's not just the absence, but there's actually a presence 
or an, uh, another operating system of whatever you want to call it, bigger self or no self self or loving awareness. Uh, one of the inquiries I do to let the mini me relax that people could try now, because it's always trying to solve the problem of identity is just to ask yourself, what's here now when there's no problem to solve? That's impossible. There's always a problem to solve. How can you say that? <laughs> That's the little mini me. But when you're sitting there with, <laughs> with uh, Ram Das, there's no problem, right? There's no problem then. No, you're there's right. No problem. Yeah. No. So that little mini me, see, answer always, if you go to it, then you start to feel, oh, the, when I go there, there's a problem. Just now, not in the future, not, not as if you're getting rid of all things in your life, but just on the level of identity, what would it be like if awareness looked to itself and just considered what's here, who's aware, if there's no problem to solve just now? If you just don't look to thought and don't go to sleep, just feel this sense of being and just see what you notice. So some people may have uh, felt this relaxation of that mini me. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wow, okay. No stress here for, the, for the just a minute. Yeah. Uh, another good tip, though, is some people have a difficult time without some physical yeah, sensation. Right. So taking a few breaths into that center of your chest that's right. is a yeah. is a great way to just oh okay. Yeah. Let me take a minute. You know, take care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have a great thing uh, from uh, that I noticed in the book. It, it's something Einstein said, and I love everything yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. The main obstacle to relief from suffering is our current identity, which we've been talking yeah. about. And it's what Einstein called our optical delusion of consciousness. That's it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so that's the feeling. And that literally, if we realize that sometimes people get scared of this kind of, oh, I'm supposed to be empty or I'm supposed to be no self or nobody or something. But it, it's not thing, that. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually just a bind or a secondary contraction when you relax the optical delusion of consciousness and you have a sense that there's a greater uh, operating system that's just simply aware. It's kind of aware like a dog or a baby or a cat <clears throat> and it has all the functional abilities. Some people, when they drive a car, <clears throat> they drive because they drop into a highly functional flow state, <clears throat> which is not uh, ego-centered, but is able to optimally function. So it's not that you're going to be a couch potato. Uh, it's that there's an effortless flow. Um, I call, you know, I call it effortless mindfulness because you're still aware of what's happening, but you're aware from your loving awareness. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's something else, but I, I, I think it's a great word, actually, and it's deconstructing. 
Yes. And unfortunately, doing deconstruction work is actually takes energy. Yes. And takes yeah. intention. Yeah. And practice. So yeah. there's a lot of that going into it. Um, uh, but you talked about, uh, and this is a good thing to talk about, uh, trans, uh, we're talking about deconstructing the mini-me. We can end up in a gap that feels like negative emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That can seem like a scary transition and could be a rebound effect, sends us back to mini-me. Yeah, that's some, let's, let's explicate that, yeah. uh, Locke. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the beautiful uh, things about the premises from some of the uh, direct path traditions like Advaita Vedanta, uh, from your tradition, Ramana's tradition, uh, Dzogchen, Mahamudra, is the assumption that you're not just deconstructing into nothingness or no emotion, that you're literally letting go into the solution. Which, so the gap is just like uh, swinging on a, a rope into the lake, you know. You have to let go. <laughs> you have to let go. When you land, you're going to be sw you're swimming in this beautiful, you know, stream in this lake. That there is another operating system. That the awakeness that Buddha was is already here within us, and that when you let go of the mini me, there's just a little disorientation before there's a reorientation, and so having that premise that there is and waiting till the natural qualities of loving awareness mm. show up, um, it, you know, helps, helps people uh, to, to find what's already here because it's so subtle uh, and it's not fast moving like thought. It's, it's very embracing, but quiet initially. Which is why uh, I think, again, going back to doing the kind of practices which yeah. at, at the very beginning, and that's why we love, well, we were, that was a really big part of uh, our practice when we were with Neem Karoli Baba, with Maharaji, was uh, Vipassana meditation, yes. which I highly recommend to anybody. Yeah. And uh, Jack, Joseph, and Sharon. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, when you talk about being able to get into a little bit more subtle states where you, mm -hmm. you, you did that exercise of going from your head, head to heart. down, yeah. yeah, going through. So when you're talking about being, having to really be in a little bit more of a, have more sensitivity. Yes. The Vipassana, doing first the concentration of uh, right. one-pointed meditation, Anapana. Yeah. And then going into the insight part, which is you start by going through your body and connecting with the uh, rapidly changing molecules mm -hmm. and feeling that all the way through. And once you start to do that, I think what you're talking about yes. becomes way more, uh, it's just easier. You're just going right. to naturally fall into that when you do this yes. exercise, getting to the loving awareness place. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody, we'll put out on uh, on the page show notes a way to get yourself over to Jack, Sharon, and Joseph and right. uh, get a course in and, and do some Vipassana because that's a, 
Uh, yeah. Even, I, I believe I've heard that His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, had all mm -hmm. of the novice monks do Vipassana courses. Yes, yeah. I had heard that. <clears throat> they so. did, yeah. And um, I, I love this line from you. Awakening doesn't make you become a nobody, a bliss ninny, or a vacant <laughs> robot, okay? No bliss ninnies allowed here, okay? <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Uh, and there's one um, one thing that rang my bell was around uh, one practice that you recommend that you do, and we should uh, investigate here, I think, yeah. uh, which is the mind the gap, which reminded yeah. me of yes. Trungpa Rinpoche, who yeah. did a very similar thing. So, yeah, let's yeah. talk about because this this is now we got to get into, OK, what are the antidotes to mini me? That's right. There is something to do, even though yeah. I also know there's absolutely nothing to do. I've seen that <laughs> with my own eyes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there is something to do. Those, uh, those things go together. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So one of the practices uh, I call Mind the Gap. And actually, if you want to put this on the, the notes for people to look at, I have a four-minute uh, animated video oh, cool. that I call... Um, that is exactly this practice uh, that's illustrated by an animator. Uh, it's called, um, I think, How to Find Peace of Mind in Four, four Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, it's, it's a classical practice from uh, Gampopa and a couple oh, yeah. of other, <laughs> other um, where you look for the you start with being aware of thoughts, which is kind of like a mindfulness of thoughts, feelings, sensations. Mm. And that's your first object. And then you become interested in, all right, so now I'm aware of thoughts are coming and going. So what's not coming and going? What is between the thoughts? Let's look into the space. Let's look into the gap and be just as interested in that. Um, and so... <laughs> the practice that I do that's in my book, but also I think I'd love if people would take a look at this. YouTube. It's on YouTube. Um, hmm. uh, Finding Peace under my name, Locke Kelly. You'll see it, and that's beautifully illustrated. I start with the uh, secular mantra, blah. Oh, yeah. Blah. Okay, why? <laughs> Come on, Ram. <laughs> Why go to blah? There is a thing with these uh, Sanskrit words that has its own efficacy beyond our minds, Locke. Okay? Yeah. No, but but see, I'm, what I'm doing is getting if, the religious. If you, go, if you go there through the if you go there through the sound, you go with Ram. But mm. if you go there through the gap, what you're doing is you're de-emphasizing thought as the method. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, okay, you can go through sound or sacred syllable or mantra but let's go through the door of space or the gap between chattering mind or rather than focusing on thoughts feelings sensations uh you just say blah and then you're aware of the space uh -huh. so the goal is not blah the, that's <laughs> that's just occupying uh your working mind it just occupies your mind for for Right. Uh, gives it something to chew on. You're the the puppy minds. Sometimes I call it, rather than the monkey yeah, mind. Right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, then you'll so you'll find you'll find that the focus of awareness on spacious awareness uh, will become what I call awareness of awareness, 
So Vipassana starts with one point of focus and then four foundations of mindfulness, which is uh, focusing on thoughts, feelings, sensations, and mind objects coming and going. And then effortless mindfulness, which is where uh, the Tibetan tradition goes next, is to become aware of space or awareness itself and look through, back through the meditator to open up the field of intelligence that is what thoughts are made of. And that's the kind of radical thing that actually makes for this feeling of interconnectedness. Mm. Is that what I call the effortless mindfulness move? Awareness of awareness. Yeah. Good. What is this? Uh, you have also have a term, uh, local awareness. What, yes. Yeah, talk about that. I'm not so sure local, I get it. Yeah, so local awareness... Um, is different than attention. So attention is defined um, by Webster's Dictionary as applying your small mind to something. And so it can only, it's, it's from your small mind to objects. And when you realize that only awareness can know awareness, the two direct path methods are what I call the resting method, which is what you describe when you just sit and tune in to somebody, just rest and use your perception. And you'll, they say, you know, muddy water, let's stand becomes clear. So you, you do that. Mm -hmm. The other is to turn awareness around. Uh, and when you're aware from loving awareness, when you focus on something, you're actually connected to that person or thing from an interconnected field. So the focus is uh, local awareness is focused on something, not attention from your small mind. So it small doesn't take versus you, what's that? Small mind versus small mind versus loving Big awareness. Mind. Yeah. Okay. Small mind. Okay. Mini yeah. me in general. Mini me. Yeah. So a conceptual mind. Um, right. That, that creates a, I think therefore I am feeling. Yeah. And this uh, open presence or open-hearted awareness is this other no-self uh, self or the big self in Hinduism. Yeah. So from self, you're focusing uh, in an interconnected way. So what I did is I kind of reverse engineered feeling like I was interconnected. And then I felt contracted back into mini-me. And I felt like, oh, okay, now I'm back here. So how do I intentionally drop back into the heart. And so the exercise we did to begin with, which people could do again, is if local awareness, which is made of loving awareness, can, is identified with thinking and creates, is identified with a mini-me, which is binding it, if local awareness just steps back and feels down to your chin and then feels down locally to an area of your throat and then local awareness is what uh, notices your heart space and kind of surrenders into it. Uh, you found the local awareness because local awareness is, is made of the loving awareness so it can find it easily. <laughs> and once, once you're in this loving awareness, now there's an interconnected, you can locally be aware of your knee from within your knee. You can be aware of, I can be aware of seeing you on the screen, but I feel 
that you're not a separate object only, that I feel like there's a interconnected field where kind of like an ocean and the waves are local awareness. So there's an ocean of awareness and you're a local awareness and I'm a local awareness, but we're the same loving awareness. Hmm. And by the way, everybody, just to show you that a man like this, like Locke, <laughs> can give us these kind of extraordinarily uh, original yeah. sketches for ways in which you can absolutely move beyond mini-me, which yeah. is it's a big subject, Locke, actually, for me. Uh, yes. My yeah. friend uh, Duncan Trussell and I, actually with Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman, are doing a... Uh, seminar in November that's uh, oh, called um, God, I forget Summit, Summit, it's a big thing we've never been there, Summit. I've never heard of it but it's okay. Al Gore speaking at it etc, cetera, etc cetera. Oh, yeah. and it's basically mini me uh, moves to uh, big us that's kind okay. of what we're oh, talking like about. Something <laughs> like that. So this subject is, is, of course, something I've really been talking to people about. So I'm, I'm really glad. Right. But to prove, I was going to say, to prove no. that this, to prove karma and reincarnation, okay, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, you tell the story of when you were a kid playing hockey yeah. and yeah. you were the goalie. And it's yeah. a wonderful story <laughs> that really says, okay, this <laughs> is why there's karma and reincarnation because obviously you this is something that's in in your cells yeah. that needed to come out the way it's coming out so it's wonderful but tell that story it's great yes yeah i mean it's it's it is so funny because it is like <clears throat> i'll tell another story which is that you know going back to my 10-year reunion at college you know my uh <clears throat> one of my hallmates you know i told him oh yes i'm a i'm a what are you doing, Locke? Uh, I'm a meditation teacher. He literally l started laughing so hard he <laughs> fell down. <laughs> he goes, you're what? You know, like that wasn't my, you know, kind of natural uh, personality, but something started showing up that was like, what's this? Who's doing this? What, what's showing me this? What's happening with this? Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was almost like a where, you know, what I call it is, you know, the divine is showing itself to itself or the, Awareness is showing itself to itself, and I'm just on board, taking like uh, taking directions. I'm like, yeah. okay, where you got me going next? You know, yeah, doing the best so we can. I know that's the, that's the way I feel it. I don't yeah. feel like it's um, like I'm one particular incarnation of someone, but I feel like there's some wisdom that's tapped into me. I haven't tapped into it. It's like it's it's got me, you know. And so um, when I was a kid. Um, I was, uh, I was listening to a sports broadcaster who said that the quarterback has eyes in the back of his head. And I thought, you know, I was like 13. I was like, eyes in the back of his head. How does he do that? And I literally mm -hmm. took it. So I started literally practicing this, what I call panoramic awareness, which is opening my peripheral vision until my awareness comes around to hearing on the side. And then I'd open it up. So I have 360 degree awareness and basically it opened up into the field of loving awareness. And then I felt embodied like a cat. And so I started doing this as a way to prepare to play goalie. And I would literally feel like a Man, cat. How old were you? Can I ask? 
so then I was I was like 14. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So 14, I'm there, and I'm looking through these legs and sticks, and all of a sudden my hand would just shoot out, and the puck would be in it, because I just trust, and I'd see something start, but then I'd just be in the zone, and like hand would shoot shoot out, and then uh, after one of the games, my uh, uh, best friend said, "Hey, man, that was great. You know, like how'd you do that?" And I said, "You really want to know?" And I kind of started saying, well, you see, I do this thing where I open my awareness around yeah. and he's like sitting there going like too much information, you know, like just looking at me. Mm-hmm. But but then one of the seniors on the team came the next week and gave me Zen and the Art of Archery and said, here, kid, read this. This is what you were talking about last week. And so I picked it up and started going, oh, my God, there's other people who do this. This is real. This is important. Nobody ever told me about this. And so it led me to start to look toward meditation and it's things so like great. that. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking, what was I doing then? I was basically, I think I was stealing my father's car a lot. Okay. This is I what I was too. doing. You did that too, huh? Uh, God, did he have a Corvette? <laughs> Had to do both at that time. Yeah, right? I see. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh. Um, the default mode network you talk yes. about, um, yeah. waking, waking from the daydream again, it's yeah. more of, uh, the reality of moving into the perspective that, uh, yes. allows the kind of spaciousness that uh, doesn't, uh, continue to create habitual patterns, karma, yes. whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. Talk about that. The default yes. mode network. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say in general that certainly uh, in the last 20 years and more and more recently, there's so much research uh, on the benefits of meditation that everyone knows about from physical stress relief to now more uh, studies that are showing um, how we can stabilize awareness. And that's where the default mode network are these two networks in our brain that naturally alternate toward external focus and then internal focus. So if you're just sitting, like if I sit on a subway and look at people in the subway car, they'll look out and then their brain will literally take them in and then the brain network will go on, they'll look out. So they're not looking out and looking in, it's literally an alternating system, which is why we get distracted. So if we're trying to do a task external network, our brain will just take us in. And then if we're looking within, we'll look without and say, what's going on in the room? You know? um, so the, this kind of non-dual awareness, which is what you know, I'm talking about effortless mindfulness, what Adi Ashanti and I uh, practice, um, it balances the default mode network because awareness is primary and so you're e- and the feeling is you're equally aware inside and outside so it's like there's a continuous field of seamless embodied awareness that doesn't have to look out and look in that's an intelligence uh that is equally aware as if there's no inside no outside and on a relative level there is but on the level of mind and then the brain gets on board and when it does, it's almost like a click. 
you feel like, ah, what a relief. I'm not going off into daydream. I'm just, and you feel completely balanced and uh, interconnected. Wouldn't one call that enlightened? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. That's what the brain looks like on enlightenment. (laughs) All right, well, uh, certainly just backing up a a little bit just uh, just to get, I think for most people, to just get to the place where there is some residency in the spiritual heart or loving yeah. awareness, but yeah. whatever we have, there's so many yeah. names. They are all, there's only one thing. Yeah. And to, to be able to inhabit, as I say, that perspective for s- at least some of the time and to develop yeah. and cultivate that. Yeah. Uh, just think about that. Not much yeah. else uh, yeah. because uh, uh, it, it needs to be experiential. And exactly. And the, problem sometimes with uh advaita is uh, people can get a little ahead now i said that who did i say that to (laughs) muji okay you know muji muji's wonderful totally loving being i said Mm -hmm. you know non-dual people can get really lost in their in their minds with this stuff from what i've seen you know uh and he said yeah you're absolutely right but same with bhakti (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's the same with everything, but but uh, yeah, I I do have uh, my own, you know, their projections and judgments. They're involved with the mini me more. Yeah. Some of it is experiential, just because of being with a being like Neem Karoli Bomb. So that was sure. our rudder. So uh, you know, there is at least uh, that's like as um, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. You remember that book? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that whole thing he talks about knowing quality mm-hmm. and the tendency there and what that means. Yeah, that's a great book, everybody. Zen yeah. and the Art of Motorcycle main- Maintenance. The fun summer read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, I forgot and absolutely have to say this. Okay. Everyone needs to read Tulku Urgin Rinpoche's mm. book, which is like a memoir, uh, beyond yeah. which you've never read anything like. What's the name of it, Locke? Uh, well, the main one is Rainbow Painting. Rainbow Painting? Yes. <clears throat> What's another one? Gee, that one doesn't. Uh, there's As It Is. Um, and then. This uh, is totally just his memoir in which he goes through. Oh, all... yes. I don't remember the name of that one. Oh, but I, okay. We're. I'm, I, I refer to it as his memoir, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a, it's got quite an incredible name. But our research people at Be okay. Here Now Network are going to find <laughs> this and put it okay. in the show notes. Um, in Just in the time that we have left, um, I mean, there's a whole thing. Here's where I did not actually read this, but I'm interested in your um, yeah. projection about this, which is the next stage of human development. Yes. What are we talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, my feeling, having uh, seen this tremendous progress in uh, my students and my own experience, my colleagues, and the articulation of contemporary practices in everyday life, uh, it feels like it's both necessary and possible that awakening is the next natural stage of human development that there's an ability for us to upgrade our operating system to more loving awareness and when that happens 
Um, there's a feeling of mutuality. There's a feeling of we working together, the motivations for social justice and uh, activism and a kind of working with other people in community just become the natural love of what you want to do. Uh, and you feel so much energy to do it, but you also feel uh, right-sized. You don't feel like you have to save the world and you don't, you feel like, oh, well, I'll do my part. I'm good at this. My friend's good at that. These other people in this organization are good at that. Let's all do our own little parts. And it really becomes like a relief to feel like you're part of a, a group of people and a society. And um, so that this is not just motivated by uh, hatred or, you know, uh, resistance to something, but there's motivation through love, that there's a feeling of really s starting both with, you know, like bhakti and uh, starting with seva action first and then doing meditation or starting with realization, which will lead to ac action. So they seem to be coming together. And so for a group of us, the work you're doing with podcasts, getting the work out, uh, making it, normalizing it, making these kind of uh, wisdom of people who live, you know, everyday lives in rather than monastics only, uh, just seems like um, it's possible. And then we almost, you know, it feels like if we say that, um, it's encouraging, you know, not to be idealizing it, you know, to be honest about our flaws and where we're caught and how we're bumbling along, but, but also um, to really uh, take the time to get to know this loving awareness that we are. Yeah, and I think the comment about uh, seva, service, yeah, activism, yeah. social justice, all of that which is very, very, very high on our list of uh, subjects that we do, many of us, most of us talk about these days and the polarization yeah. that's involved and so on. It's not as if you're going to just fall into that loving awareness Right. Again, you no. you would have to be uh, a realized being of some sort mm -hmm. to to inhabit that. But uh, most of us need to realize that it's the cultivation as you are doing whatever you're doing and awareness and mindfulness. Yes. it's the intent to to work on oneself yeah. that is yeah. is what counts. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, and I think you're right though in terms of what's coming for all of us. Uh, mm -hmm. and as a planet, is to have this consciousness much more prevalent so that we have a, you know, a better shot at uh, doing something great for yeah. our uh, people to come. That's <laughs> a great thing. I, I did this to my friend. Actually, last week we did a podcast. Um, there's a thing in the paper, uh, or no, a meme on social media. Let's do the right thing now to make sure that Keith Richards can be happy in the future on our planet. <laughs> That's good. Let's make this right for Keith, right? Yeah. In order to yeah. do that, yeah, we have to, we have to, there is work involved and, and that's certainly right. part of this. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, thank you, Locke. And so great welcome, to, great to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, and great to have you as part of Be Here Now Network too. I know thank you're you going to so be much. doing more uh, guest podcasts and so on. 
Yes. So that's a great thing, and we really appreciate yeah. it. And yeah. uh, I uh, hope to do this again with you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have a, another book coming out oh, uh, you do? Ne next year, uh, next June, called uh, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. Oh, okay, great. So it'll go into more detail. And, and we will put up a, a link <laughs> to the four-minute video. Yes. How to find peace of mind in four minutes, which uh, I'm, yes, <laughs> yes we're, we'll put it on. We have a heart mind app, by the way. Oh, good. In which okay. we put up meditations and so on. So we will okay. put this up there if you don't mind. Yeah. And people will be able to do it. Yeah. So that's yeah. A and I have um, I have a, uh, a CD set where the practices, some of the practices we talk about uh, are literally three minutes to nine minutes long. And I have 31 of them. Really? That help you drop into your heart that help you open this panoramic awareness wow okay. uh, yeah great great and all of that will be available on the show notes page links yeah. to all of it you'll you'll let us know lock and we'll make sure yes. they're up there and okay. uh, yeah the books and everything because it's just more about uh, helping our lives yeah. get way more in balance that's our that's the Good. theme of mind rolling is a life in balance simple Beautiful. yes yeah nice i love it thank you again thanks so much <laughs> thank Lock. you wonderful lots of love to you yeah namaste okay namaste <laughs>